0: These medicines that people take, they might control your blood pressure, they might keep your sugar down, but the medicines don't change outcomes unless people change behaviors that led to those conditions. Welcome to the wfo life podcast buckle up for interviews insights and practical discussions and the occasional intellectual oddity all designed to help you master self master craft and accomplish any life mission welcome back to the wfo life podcast chris how are you today
1: doing great enjoying the weather spring came all at once here in pennsylvania so it's been nice so
0: you've been able to get more active and uh, get out a little bit more
1: Oh yeah, I mean we went from the 20s to the 60s in one week, uh, temperature wise. So we, we're uh, counting our blessings right now.
0: Yeah, it's already feeling like summer here in South Texas. I went out early this morning. It was probably in the oh mid 60s and it was nice and calm. And then now it's sort of mid 80s and warming up. So I'm, everything's starting to turn green, and so uh, I'm ready to jump into spring mode and around the farm and. You know, I've been pretty active physically, so that's not really changing much, but it sure is a lot nicer to go out when it's warm instead of freezing your tail off.
1: Yeah, good for for our health, for sure. Get some natural vitamin D.
0: Absolutely. Well, health is uh, on my mind today, and it was the topic I wanted to bounce around. I want to set this up by talking about uh, what spurred this topic today. I think I'm going to call this topic, Who Drives Your Health? (coughs) Or maybe Who Drives Your Health Care, but... Who Drives Your Health is definitely most important. I shall leave the name of the company out, but I want to I share something that I ran across recently and the thoughts I had on it. I was sitting in my office a couple of weeks back, and I saw a couple of faxes that came across, and I had to review some documents. And what I saw was I saw an a invite from a large grocery store chain with a wellness service they are offering to one of my patients and basically it was worded in a sense uh, your patient request access to our diabetes wellness program where we periodically teach them various aspects of diabetic care and in return they get quote unquote discounts on their medications and i it must have been a long day that day because i remember getting pretty hot under the collar about it and one of the things that it, it it spurred a whole gamut of thoughts. But the mm-hmm. first of them was, first off, why, why do we have a situation in healthcare where we have grocery stores and pharmacies managing care for patients? Does that even seem weird to you?
1: I guess the only thing I can think about it it probably has to do something with money. That's the only way it would make sense that, you know, a um <clears throat> I don't know an employer or or something like that would want to get involved with it because it saves them money on their co- their coverage, right? I mean, that's the only way that I would think that they would get involved to have some kind of incentive on their side of the the coin.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, you know, it's got to be in modern medicine. I, what I'm seeing, I mean, I've been at this almost 22 years. And in modern modern medicine, there's there's so many agendas, there's so many angles. So yeah. and I'm becoming very jaded to the idea that there's so little of it that has anything to do with actual well-being. You know, and in this instance, you're exactly right. I think this program was a brainchild of either the pharmacy <clears throat> trying looking to sell discount drugs, or maybe a managed care company or insurance payer trying to bypass the medical teams and simply provide care directs, directly, like proxy directly through the grocery store. I mean, yeah. and I guess the big question on my mind, I'm just like, are we? Oh, there's so many l- levels I went to on this. Are we as physicians, as the healthcare community? I'm talking about MDs. <clears throat> are we doing such a poor job of communicating with patients that 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 they have to go to, uh, you know, some some program like this put on by a pharmacy or a grocery store to get the information they need about diabetes? And then the second part of that is you know are we maybe maybe we are doing a good job but we're not communicating that well enough to our patients and it's it's really a frustrating situation and i and i feel like i wanted to shake the cage of the medical community and say you need to listen up Our job is to communicate, and I get so many complaints from patients about how so-and-so didn't tell them anything about their condition, or I got admitted to the hospital, and and when I left, I didn't even know why I was there. I mean, I hear that so many times, and that boils down to a lack of communication, and this is just another example. I mean, they're building programs to just bypass the traditional medical doctor.
1: Well, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, this begs a lot of different questions, so in, in this case... Did this person actually work for the grocery store chain or is this just like a service that the grocery store chain is trying to provide to anybody did you know about that
0: Yeah no they were not an employee this was a this was an this was a customer of the pharmacy who happened to be my patient and they were probably as a courtesy asking my permission to take over the care of education of this patient with diabetes. And of course, for me, it hit me in particular very hard because I, I feel that a lot of the cookie cutter information about type two diabetes is, is quite frankly, not always helpful. You know, I've got an entire online program for, for dealing with, you know, reversing diabetes, which some people think is controversial. It's not, we do it all the time. It's a dietary problem for the vast majority of people. And to hear these companies, and I know what they put out. I mean, they put out information is very generic, and it'll be centered around the concept of making sure medication compliance is, you know, and adherence is done. And have you had your statin drug? Have you taken this? Did you did you fill it every month? Because <laughs> there are studies that show when people take their medicines regularly, maybe they have slightly better outcomes. Well, that's what they're going to hang their hat on. That's that's their tool. So therefore, they're going to use that tool and, continue, and, you know, of course, it it feeds their business as well. And yeah. I, again, it's like I said, there's agendas, there's, you know, there's so many different things. And you got to look at it from the flip side. The medicines are expensive for the people that require them. And, you know, I do have, I do realize that patients probably look at this and they realize they're going to get a, a discount. And maybe that is valuable. So I can't totally slam the idea. But as a physician, I look at it and I think... You know, people, people have to realize where health comes from. And, you know, I, I'm a big proponent of fitness, nutrition, lifestyle, because that's actually what changes outcomes. These medicines that people take, they might control your blood pressure. They might keep your sugar down. But the medicines don't change outcomes unless people change behaviors that led to those conditions
1: yeah i mean uh, i think one of the things that comes to mind as you've been uh, outlining this uh, scenario is you have to understand the motivation right i mean kind of the the question we should ask ourselves about a lot of things like first start with why like why would why would my grocery store that has a pharmacy or, or what have you be interested in providing a service that's clearly outside of their core competency. Right. Right. And so, right. and, and so like what, like what's in it for me type, but you know, sitting from their uh, point of view looking, you know uh, I guess walking a mile in their shoes. And it's like, right. If, if all those answers to that question um, don't center around wellness, which it's kind of hard to argue it, it is, it's, it's more about, you know, getting you into the program so that you'll always get your prescriptions through them and that they will have more access to your information, which, you know, nowadays, I mean, whether it's Google or Amazon or, you know, your smartphone listening to you, Amazon, Alexa, it's uh, information is the most powerful thing we have now, especially with machine learning and artificial intelligence. It's like just getting the access to your personal information that they may not have to that level once you sign up for their program is valuable, you know? And so then they can target you for a myriad of things. So, I mean, I'm not saying that necessarily that's the whole motivation for this, but I I would just question as to why, you know, somebody that's a, you know, or an entity that's going outside of their comfort zone, so to speak, it's like, why are they doing it? And it seems like, it's more self fulfilling uh, on their side than it is the wellness of the person, so
0: twenty years ago, when I was a resident if if you said, Okay, the doctor is going to take care of you, and that you know they're going to write your prescription, your insurance company is going to pay for the prescription. And you're then – and they're going to pay for your labs, and if you have any emergency hospitalizations, they're going to cover that. That that was the arrangement. Mm -hmm. Fast forward about 10 years, you started seeing companies come in – companies being the payers, insurance payers. You start seeing them come in, and they – um start to have programs like management programs so what ends up happening is they start being more involved in the analytics of individual patients like hey we notice your patients taking this medicine there's a generic equivalent right so hey would you would doctor would you mind um changing this prescription so that it will save some money and it you know it's a generic equivalent so then you fast forward another five six seven years from that time so maybe five to eight years ago and now you have a situation where I can write a prescription I know is right, and it could even be generic. it could be a medicine that they just feel that they're not going to cover, and they just say no, and we're just not going to cover it or sure. they will and 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 there's no question about it, but then there's the other part of it, the other layer. It is completely normal now that an insurance payer who has a financial incentive to not um cover certain things or to to um control cost, what ends up happening is these, these insurers are now providing and paying the physicians directly as a clinic. So you could literally participate in a insurance-owned um, practice and see a physician that is fully subsidized and paid for by that insurance company. And so it's wow. kind of
1: like that used
0: to be considered twenty years ago. It was a it was a conflict
1: of interest. Yeah, I was going to say and that doesn't seem even like it's ethical in some cases.
0: No, but but that's like yeah. the normal now. Yeah. That's normal. That's just that's just norm. It's a complete and, and again, I see and and I, 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 this is why I brought this up because I figured it would be a discussion that might enlighten people about you know where their healthcare comes from and and but a lot of times people don't think about it, but you know it's um. The insurance companies, they they do put programs in place that are beneficial for people, and I do see they're starting to collect such large pools of data. Like I could show you amazing data that I have an REMR electronic medical record system on people. Yeah. Um, I, I can tell everything about people's habits and what they do, and everything from the data that we have. And the insurance companies probably have even more than I do, and they have put together programs that generally are beneficial for people. But I think what I'm—I think it, what's most disturbing to me is that the medical community has just allowed our job to be farmed out to to these big companies that, and, and it just becomes this cookie cutter, one size fits all. And the sad part about that is that. I think if you look at medical research, when you look at epigenetics and you look at all the um, direction that we're going in medicine, everything is pushing towards the concept of individualized medicine. You know, they're talking about, oh, in the future, we're going to have individualized care for cancer. We're going to have individualized medication regimens. We're going to be able to know your genetic profile and all these things so we can give you the medicine that works for you. But what's happening right now is that we're building cookie cutter boxed you know, advice, and people know different. They know it's not right. They know that one size doesn't fit all, but yet a lot of physicians just kick the bucket, and they just, they keep saying, yeah, that's just, you know, we're just going to kick this can down the road. We're just, yeah, follow the program, follow the program, and people know they go, I got sick when I'm on that medicine. Why do you keep telling me to take that? And And I think that just, this is one more example of how we're just advocating this, you know, to these big organizations and not taking care of our patients individually. And I just, I kind of push back at that. I, and of course, I did not sign this form. And I, and if the patient, you know, if it's some massive savings to them or something, I'll, I guess I'll have to bite the bullet at some point. I don't know. So such a frustrating situation. But I just think it's disturbing that A, people advocate their health to a grocery store or a pharmacy or somebody with a, a, a different incentive than just the fiduciary responsibility to take care of them, I think. Mm-hmm. I think there's a big problem with that, and and then not recognizing that you know health doesn't come in a bottle.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many scary angles that that that, that could uh, I guess even turn more dark when you think about it. Because um, one, I mean, it's like the insurance companies and and various like managed care providers are taking you know, all the creativity and the individual uh, experience of that doctor out of it, especially like you were saying, getting to the point where they're going to tell you they're not going to cover a medication that you looked at that patient's profile. In a lot of cases, you might know that patient and you say, hey, because of my experience and what I've seen, this is what I recommend. And because it doesn't fit their little rubric, they're like, oh, we're not going to cover that medication for this particular person or this particular case. And it's like, like you said, I mean, the, the physician who's trained and has, you know, decades of experience in figuring this out, they're looking, you know, the insurance companies looking at a flow chart and saying, no, it's not worth it to pay for that medication for this person, for this ailment. And you're like, okay, well, I'm telling you the other things don't work. And it's like a conflict, right? It's like a some built-in conflict that's getting between you and your patient. And, and that's, a uh, a scary place to be. And, uh, especially when you talk about like acute care that sometimes, I mean, you, you get involved with, and obviously they may get referred to an ER, go to the hospital. But, um, I remember reading some stuff. It seems like it was more like socialized medicine type countries where, they would do some type of triage when patients were checking in with COVID uh, positive cases and right. they were like, and they were essentially making triage des- decisions based on, Oh, well, there's a 95% chance that this person's not going to make it anyway. So, right. you know, we're just going to make them comfortable and they don't get a ventilator or they don't get, you know, this like uh, you know, antiviral that we have limited supplies of. And so it's like, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe, hey, they're 95% right, but, you know, how many cases do you hear about on TV? And I'm sure as you as a doctor have seen people, they're like, oh, there's no way this person should have made it out of the hospital. And then they, you know, through a combination of good care and, you know, some cases luck or, you know, whatever, that the people make it. And so if that's your loved one you know, getting triage in this big machine system, I mean, I think it becomes even more dark when you talk about acute care, right? It's like you're not even going to get the care because the system says it's not worth it. We're going to waste, you know... $5,000 5000 extra dollars and this person may not make it. And it's like, well, that's not your sister. What if that was your brother? Right. You know, what if that was right. your wife? And so I think that's where it turns dark when you have this rationed, you know, care because of, you know, financial and, you know, AI trying to decide it versus, you know, the doctor's. Uh, own knowledge of that patient, so that's kind of my patient view soapbox on it. I mean, it's scary, you know. So
0: yeah, and and, I, and what you kind of touched on is what I call the codification, the coding of medicine. We're we're now in a place that if it doesn't fit into a box, or if in, of the existing knowledge that we have, then everything else is foreign, and you can't do it. That's what's happening now. I mean, great example, um, and I'll talk about this probably in future episodes. I've been doing training in recent months with a a, a specialist in endocrinology and traumatic brain injury. Um, And some of the work that I'm seeing that's out there on traumatic brain injury, for instance, a lot of it is things that I wasn't taught in medical school. It isn't mainstream information. And some of the treatments are hormone replacement or hormone replenishment, uh, large doses of antioxidants, all kinds of different things like that to improve brain health and what they call a, a neuro regenerative, you know, environment for the brain to heal in. And if you go to try to write some of these prescriptions, you'll get pushback. Well, you can't write the medicine for that. It's like, yeah, but there's studies and going back for the last 20 years that show this would be beneficial. And you can you can show you know, what are you gonna do? Send this to the pharmacist or send this insurance company? Nobody can fight that. You just you just are at the you know at the mercy of some somebody at an insurance, you know, you know, running computations somewhere and there's and they don't even realize that there's cutting edge information that could save people, not keep them on medicines or keep them on things that are quite frankly not really helping them. I mean, think about all the people res- with resistant depression. That they've been on antidepressants, and if you're listening, I know you're out there because I see them all the time. And then maybe they've had some closed head injury in the past. Wow, did you know that there's a mountain of evidence, especially in military individuals that have been around, you know, flash bombs and gr- grenades and things like that, or actually had injuries. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you know that that changes their hormones in their brain and you can actually damage the pituitary and hypothalamus and then it changes your hormones and then of course that changes how you feel and then doctors, what do we do when we see you? You're depressed, you're anxious, you have all these symptoms and what do we do? We throw medicine at you. We we give you depression medicines and diagnose you with, you know, those kind of things. But the reality is there's a mountain of evidence out there this can be treated completely differently.
1: Yeah, it reminds and me. Man,
0: of- once you see you, once you see that, and as a physician, I've seen the light. Once I see that that information is out there, and when you start testing in your own patients, you realize we can't be in cookie cutter mode for everyone. We cannot do that; it's not right. And as physicians, we have to stand up and start, you know, speaking for our
1: patients. Yeah, I mean, it's it reminded me of a military reference where. You know, it's almost like putting a Band-Aid on a sucking chest wound. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's it's like, okay, that's not going to solve it. And uh, But then, like the examples you gave, you're given this, you know, Band-Aid medication and you're not even getting close to even diagnosing the root cause, which is this hormone imbalance. Like, you're, you're only going to trick you know your system for so long and you know that's unsustainable a lot of cases because of how many other side effects that have or, or like that these drugs have you know and so yeah. you're, you you kind of turn them into a zombie and they're a shell of themselves and um i, I guess the, the thing i wanted to mention too about you know medicine in the military i know a lot of people talk about um you know mo- most military people i think are fairly Uh, happy with their medical care, especially the cost of it uh, to cover our families and things like that. And then we do have access to, you know, civilian doctors and specialists. And so you kind of get what you can on base and then, you know, it's pretty easy to get a referral if those services don't exist. So, I mean, my wife had – cancer treatment and surgery and everything um, through mainly civilian doctors uh, referred to through the medical or through the military medicine. And, you know, we were we were happy with it. But um, I think that going back to the original, I guess, genesis of this topic about um, managing people's wellness and and having the right thing in mind. Um, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of things about the military healthcare that is like socialized medicine, uh, not in a good way. Um, but the one benefit I think is the end state of our, you know, pretty rigorous, uh, monitoring of our health, um, has to do with readiness because, uh, obviously, if you have a sick uh, workforce in the military, uh, sick, broken, you know, unable to deploy, then that's uh, going to make it difficult to fight and win wars. And so, I think right. that. Um, It's not a perfect system, but there are things that, you know, I'll probably take as a patient with me after I retire to, you know, whatever, you know, primary care doctor that I, uh, you know, choose when I retire. I'll probably try to have the same kind of mindset like, hey, am I uh, well enough to do all the things that I need to in my life, you know, and being right, active right. to chase my kids around, you know, to be able to, um, you know, respond to, to emergencies and, you know, maintain uh, vigor so that I can be good in my job. So all these things that unfortunately, when you have a system that's set up to maximize, profits and and minimize risk. It's not always looking for wellness and readiness. It's like, oh, well, maybe we'll get you to 80% good uh, because the other 20% is just too expensive for us to have you, you know, have a perfect quality of life. And so unfortunately, unfortunately, as a patient, you know, we have to be more and more mindful of that when you have these big machines that are set up to only pay 80 cents out of the the dollar uh, for what would get you optimal care. So I think that's you know, the onus goes on us as an individual patient to, you know, uh, uh, you know, sometimes be the squeaky wheel, I guess, and not accept it when they won't, you know, pay for what your doctor is recommending. So,
0: yeah, actually, Chris, that's really insightful and, and good advice you just laid out there because that's that's the only choice that we have moving forward. I mean, this is already happening. You will be incentivized by free medications, giveaways. Nurses come into your home caretaking caretaking all of your actions and what that will translate to is you're going to have less choices about what you can and can't do with your own body and i want you to think about immunizations i want you to think about travel i want you to think about medications all of these things are part and parcel of this less control of your own temple if you will so i I think I, i appreciate those who have listened to this i hope i've given some insights into this maybe just food for thought I want to end in a more positive way on this topic and just say that, look, I I promise that I'm going to provide real health information. I I do that on the NRGtribe.com. So if anybody is interested in kind of seeing my take on a lot of different health issues and maybe even specific medical problems, feel free to go check that out. You know, it's not health advice, but it's just my tried and true information about those topics. A lot of it's going to be nutrition. A lot of it's going to be lifestyle related. That's just generally what I do and I find good results with that. Which brings me back to my final point on this. Health doesn't come from a bottle. Health is being physically active. It is eating a low sugar, low processed food diet rich in good fats, proteins, and vegetables. That diet works for the vast herd of humanity and when applied it's anti-inflammatory, it minimizes the progression or even development of all kinds of different diseases ranging from autoimmunity to type 2 diabetes to cancer. And if you do that combined with proper sleep and stress reduction techniques, all, all the things that we've talked about in philosophy and, and having a, being mindful, that is the recipe for getting the most out of your health, which in turn allows you to get the most out of whatever your, your mission is in life. And I think that's why chris if you'll indulge me on this in the coming months i'd like to do a few more health topics because i feel it's a big component of mastering not only yourself and anything you're trying to do like your craft but just anything you're doing in your life if you have a mission you know to accomplish anything in your life it starts with a core fundamental of being quote healthy end quote and that has a there's a big recipe for that and I'd love to run down the rabbit holes on that in the coming months.
1: That sounds great. I'm looking forward to it as a, you know, just as a, a human and a patient that wants to be around for a good handful of more decades. So,
0: Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, if this uh, struck a nerve with you or you have any comments on it, please touch base with us at the future focus health network. Uh, we'll put that in the show link and you can reach us at the WFO life tribe uh, inside of that um uh, website. We'd love to interact with you and hear your feedback on this very topic. And uh, we'll close it out for, and we'll talk at you
1: later, Chris. Sounds good. Thanks.